What's up, everyone? Welcome in to a victorious edition of SSPN Recaps, Ethan. It wasn't the prettiest W, like, like we put out there on our Twitter with the two clips of Devin. It wasn't the prettiest. There were a lot of things that didn't go well. But you know what? They stuck to the Spurs monicum that Victor Wembenyama alluded to after the loss, the 40-point loss against the Clippers. And, and what is that, Ethan? Keep pounding the rock, Jude. Just keep playing. And that's what Pop said in his post-game presser. Yes, there's a lot of ugly. We're a young team. This is a mistake-driven game. And <laughs> as we've mentioned at nauseum, it feels like already, Ethan, four games into the season, this is a young team that's going to make a lot of mistakes. So the fact that they were, especially when you consider the Clippers game, don't want to make too much of this. But when you consider the context of the Clippers game and the way that that game went and how Devin admitted in the post game that they kind of gave up in that game, um, the fact that they were able to fight back into this one and then win it in the fashion that they did um, was definitely a confidence boost for them, especially with Devin Booker coming back on the floor tomorrow night, which we'll get into all of that, Ethan. But Give me your breakdown of what you saw from the team last night. Just kind of overall thoughts. I'm sure we'll jump into specifics as we keep talking. Yeah, it, it was not a pretty game, like you said. Something that we definitely should have lost. And the Phoenix Suns gave us every reason to quit, to give up, to become disconnected. Kind of like how we were against the Clippers. But give our guys credit. They kept fighting and fighting. Really led by Keldon Johnson, who had 27 yeah. points on 50% shooting, 4 for 9 from three-point land, he kept us in the game. Um, we never really went on a run until that fourth quarter. He just kind of kept us within like 15 to 10 until that fourth quarter where we went on a 33 to 19 quarter run um, led by his charge. Devin Vassell hit a couple tough shots. He decided to come to play. He talked about it in the post-conference. It was like, uh, okay, it's time to follow Keldon's lead. He kept us in the game. Let's go get this dub. And then, of course, the two greatest the two the, the best duo in fourth quarter nba history <laughs> and victor Wimbanyama <laughs> also facilitate that fourth quarter comeback uh but the phoenix suns kind of took their foot off the gas and they let us run right back into the game and give credit to Keldon johnson he made it a miraculous steal at the end to kind of seal the deal put us up by one with i think two seconds left in the game the only lead that we had only held the lead for two seconds the final two seconds of the game um, and the, the last overall note I'll have before I dish it to you, Jude, is Jeremy Sohan, he, he's continuing to struggle a little bit finding his scoring touch, finding ways for him to be active in the offense as far as scoring the ball. That being said, I still think this may have been his best game as a point guard, just strictly as a point guard. Completely like agree. He was, he was comfortable in that role. He was calling plays from the jump. He was ordering guys around. He had five assists, seven rebounds, and zero turnovers only eight points but that zero turnovers is the biggest stat yes. from him in this game yeah and he's he's tied with Devin there leading the team in assists and you know not to jump you know too all over the place here but when you think about the way we ended the game mm -hmm. which was with Trey Devin Keldon Sohan and Victor in the game um I saw a lot of hockey assists from him in, in that lineup down the stretch I know it wasn't too much time um but I kind of liked the I liked the closing lineup there with that as much as I, we I'm we're not advocating any lineup changes. Big disclaimer, just like we said last one. But I will say that I, I liked kind of how Trey and and Jeremy in that lineup can kind of play make for Wemby, Devin, and Keldon. 
And what was the other theme in this game? Despite all of the ugliness, Ethan, you know, stats do not tell the whole story. But at the end of the day, Keldon Johnson had 27 and Victor Wembanyama and Devin Vassell had 18 themselves, which is basically 20. In the Mm -hmm. Rockets game, all three of those guys had close to 20. In this game, all three of those guys had close to 20. And what do you know? They're both wins. Both very close wins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Both not pretty wins. But I think what we're learning here with these three guys, at least this season, when they have around 20 points, we're going to have a chance to win. Does that mean we're going to win all of those games? Absolutely not. Um, But I think that those guys showing up in the moments they did, even though it took kind of Devin and Victor until that fourth quarter to really get going, um, the fact that they were still able to do that through adversity Mm -hmm. was a good thing to see. And that was just kind of something that I noticed because it's kind of funny. I didn't even really notice it. Uh, I obviously I noticed Keldon with the way that he was scoring, because if he didn't basically carry us for the entire third quarter, we wouldn't have even been in the game in the fourth quarter. Devin uh, and Wemby wouldn't have even had the opportunity to, even if they've still played the same, the score wouldn't have been the same if we we didn't have Keldon's consistency. Like he just kept fighting, um, Mm -hmm. you know, through that, through, like you said, keeping us around 10 to 15, just barely keeping us in the game. And and it was kind of funny because I was watching it and I was like, dude why are you even doing this (laughs) like I almost like I was like man he's just like I I I wasn't questioning him but I was like Keldon's just out there competing he's hustling he has no reason to but he's he's just scoring for us and that gave that gave the guys some uh some fire going into that fourth quarter so that was really good to see for sure and you spoke about that lineup with with Wemby at the five playing Trey and Jeremy Sohan that was very very good to close the game but kind of what got us back into the game was with Wemby on the bench and Zach at the five. And I, obviously, I don't think that that's going to be our long-term solution, but it kind of just proves our point about the chemistry thing. Yes. We had a, we had a lineup up there that had experience with each other last season, yes. and it had a little bit more fluidity. It had a little bit more cohesion, um, which kind of got our offense going. And defensively, though, I liked what Pop did going to that zone defense and letting Victor Wimbanyama kind of roam at the top of the key. Um, very reminiscent, Jude, to how the Cavs played, I think, two seasons ago, or whatever the rookie year was for Evan Mobley. And they had a yeah. lot of perimeter defenders. Uh, they basically let him do the same thing, and it was very difficult to stop. Now, there were moments where the Suns were able to take advantage of that, find the weak spots in the zone and kind of kick it out to the open man for three. Yuta Watanabe had a couple threes off of that zone. Yeah, I think Eric Gordon had like a really deep one because if you space out a zone enough, it's kind of easy to, to break. But it caught them off guard enough to kind of give us a little bit of momentum, get a couple steals, get out in transition, and kind of refine our mojo. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I could sit here and break down the game, Ethan, but really it all just comes down to that moniker. Like I mentioned mm-hmm. you earlier, not to be cheesy, not to just no. take everything from the Spurs, but it comes down to pounding the rock. Because, dude, I'm thinking about the text I sent you in the fourth quarter. You talked about the Utah Watanabe threes where mm-hmm. Keldon's carrying us, gets us to a single digit and then two dagger threes back to back, you know, because of a little bit of, of lackadaisicalness. It, he was more focused on offense, so it wasn't there was a little bit of rotational stuff that happened there too, but still it was like, there were so many times in this game that you felt like the dagger was in us mm-hmm. and we just kept walking like a zombie and <laughs> Thursday is going to be very different. Yes. But like I said earlier, and I'll say it again, just because I think it it really is the most important thing about this game. 
when you consider the game-to-game development, if you follow us on Twitter, at SSPNYT, I put out two, cl- two clips from Devin. He talked about KJ and obviously what he did for the team, what we just mm-hmm. kind of talked about there. But then he also talked about how game-to-game for this team, just with how young they are, with how they're still learning each other, the fact that they were able to rebound when the first half felt very similar to the Clippers game. I mean, like almost like exactly the same. Like I was just watching this. I was like, man, this is like, like, yes, we did look a little bit better on offense. You know, we looked a little bit, um, like you said, with Jeremy, no turnovers, you know, was tied to lead the team in assists. Um, I thought we looked cleaner overall offensively but you still had turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like Devin said, you still didn't get back on defense and you still had miscommunications from time to time. So the fact that they were able to keep playing through that, um, and you even heard that on the audio assist from from Greg Popovich in the huddle last night on TNT. He was telling them, like, it was, I was like, am I listening to SSPN right now? I was, was I know that's, that's being a little bit facetious, but seriously, he was like, guys, we're a young team. When you turn the ball over, don't hang your head. When you miss a shot, don't let it be the end of the world. Just move on to the next play and keep playing. Mm -hmm. And that was why they had a shot last night. Yes, I would agree, kind of as you said at the beginning of this episode, that Phoenix definitely... Well, Keldon took it. I don't want to take that away from him because that was such a... Keldon went out there and literally took it from KD. But for other than those plays... (laughs) They definitely gave it to us in the sense that we were down 20 and let us back in to even have that chance. There were a lot of mistakes that they made um, that that allowed us to do that. I think Keldon is kind of the exception tonight whenever it comes to just the overall game as because of what we just talked about. But like I said earlier, Victor and Devin and, and, and Trey, a, a, another one as well, too, they're not able to do, although Trey was a little bit more consistent, but his role's different scoring-wise. Um they wouldn't have been able to do what they were able to do without, you know, Keldon keeping us in the game the way that he did. Yeah, a lot of people owe Keldon Johnson an apology uh, this morning because of how he played last night. And we're talking about his offense, Jude. I know Kevin Durant still went 12 for 19, 1 for 3, 26 points. He's Kevin Durant, but KJ took the challenge. And I didn't think he played bad defense. I think Kevin Durant's just a Hall of Fame scorer that's four inches yeah. taller than him. Like he he was getting up into him, he was taking the challenge, and he really was only beat bad once, and that yeah. was on that crossover, that jab step crossover. Right, Kevin Durant dunked it with two hands, and that's just a patented move that nobody can defend. Um, but I was really impressed with his defense overall last night. He had high energy hands in the passing lines, two steals, and of course the the game winning steal at the end of the game, which he almost stole on the inbound pass. He yeah. was like half an inch away from knocking it out of bounds. He had a pretty good contest. I mean, it was a fadeaway jumper with one second left, so it was going to be a tough shot regardless. Mm -hmm. But KJ did a good job on the last shot contesting KD as well, which went off the iron. So you got to give him credit there. I saw a couple sequences with Jeremy on KD as well, and I Mm -hmm. thought he did a good job of kind of taking him out of a couple plays. You know, that's just a handful there. Obviously, like you said, KD still (laughs) went out there and was KD. Um, But the way that they were able to take it at the end was just huge and um, yeah, I still saw some good things on KD defensively. And obviously that's a lot easier to do when mm-hmm. you don't have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker out there. Um, and I know we haven't seen Bradley Beal yet and it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing tomorrow, but still Devin Booker adds a completely different dynamic. Yeah. If you want to jump into tomorrow's game, Jesus, 
go ahead and do it. I'm going to predict bold prediction here. Um, bold, bold prediction. Giant prediction from Ethan Cummings. Scolding hot take, if you will. Um, a Spurs loss tomorrow night in Phoenix. Yeah, I, I just hope that we can see some of the good things um, continue. And, and we just don't see what we saw on Sunday. We don't revert back to Sunday with Devin Booker in the game. That, I think, is the key for me early in the season in this kind of game-to-game development before we get to Christmas and really have some some overall takeaways take from about 20 games or so of this team. I'm going to expect, despite the loss, though, I'm going to expect a way better game from Wemby in the first okay. half. I think what he said post-game really it gives me high hopes for him moving forward because he was very self-aware of the fact that he's rushing a lot of shots he's not taking his time he's not getting to his spots he's not being patient right now in that first half he's trying to rush too much and it's forcing up bad shots and bad misses so i'm hoping that will correlate to how he performs tomorrow night and gets off to a better start because he's been phenomenal in the fourth quarter probably the best player in the league in the fourth quarter but that those first three quarters is where it's been a little difficult for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, of course, Chuck and Shaq are like, hey, like, what's going on, bro? I mean, they just basically shot him straight. Like, you know, we yeah. saw a little bit of passivity, you know, and he was just completely honest. Like, hey, man, I'm still figuring everything out. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of figuring the United States out. Yep. I mean, like they even talked about that. Um, obviously, there was the churro bit, which he did say, if y'all did not see, he said in the postgame presser, he's like, I know what a churro is. You know, I'm just, I, French is my first language. So I didn't, I forgot the word. Mm. So Wemby does know what churros are. Everybody, everybody calm down. He yeah. loves the breakfast tacos. He loves the churros. Thank God. Yeah, I know, right? That was he the remembers biggest. the Alamo. He, he remembers. Yeah, he never forgets. Never forgets. He, he never forgets, especially after going there. Um, but seriously, getting back to Victor, uh, I, I I would hope to see that as well too. And and what he said in that post game, he was just very honest and raw. And some people might be like, "Oh, you need more for that because of what I watched on ESPN all summer." But like. Mm-hmm. It, when I hear him, when I hear him talk, I mean, even the TNT guys were like, "Okay, we get it a little bit more." Yeah, the only thing that I will like the TNT guys are notoriously like if for someone they've never seen before, they a little bit broad of statements and maybe not 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 the greatest of takes. But I do think Bobo. what they said, yeah, Bobo. <laughs> what they said about Wemby in the first half getting to his spots was very accurate. Yeah, um, as far as like he'll get in the lane and let himself get pushed out. I know he's a perimeter player. I know he's not trying to be Tim Duncan or David Robinson. You but there can't let times. Eric Gordon push yes. you out of the paint. If Nurkic is guarding you, okay. Even even Kevin Durant a little bit, okay. But a Kogi, Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, no. These guys are way too small. You have to get low and, and try and get some easy baskets inside. But that's not also completely his fault. The rest of the team needs to be throwing it up to him yes. way quicklier, quicklier way faster that's yeah. that that change has not caught on yet for the rest of the team trey jones is still the only one that consistently does it yeah yeah he's gonna have to impose himself more but yep. i think that this is gonna sound like a really dumb point ethan but hear me out the fact that you're playing in the same place two games in a row i think it's gonna even though it's a road trip yeah it's like it gives him a 
it's hard to explain, but I think you you already kind of get. There's what a I'm comfortability saying. there now. Like yes, like okay, I, I saw what I did wrong in my last game. Now let me try to go fix it. And it's unique because usually in a back to back, you're literally back to back days. But in this one, this is like one of the weird times. Like they speaking of NBA on TNT last mm-hmm. night, they were like, that doesn't usually happen. Like all the NBA, like Kenny was like, oh yeah, it happened for some time. And then all the other dudes who actually played were like, what the heck? Like that's that's kind of weird. So I'm Kenny sure it. Played. Kenny yeah. played. Oh, Kenny played. My bad. Who actually not Kenny? Played. Not Kenny. I said Ernie? Kenny. Yes, my bad. I meant Ernie. Kenny, my bad. Who actually I, yes, Kenny the Jet Smith who played for the Rockets. My bad. <laughs> Misspoke there. I meant Ernie. That two-time champ, back-to-back right. yeah. champ. Yeah, legend. Let me stop. <laughs> I seriously like. I I said Kenny, but I meant Ernie there. Anyways, um, is the point is that doesn't happen that often, and I think yeah. that because of that, it's like he's just going to be able to like really recognize I'm in the same place. Like, let me better what I did the last game. Now there's going to be a lot of new challenges <laughs> just because you add Devin Booker. Um, and so we'll see how it plays out, but, but I do expect him to come out um, a little more comfortable and a little bit more aggressive is what I would say. I have a question for you, Jude. Shoot. And we saw him do it a couple times, but he was not the primary defender. What is your opinion on Victor Wimpenyama starting the game defending Kevin Durant? Well, he was playing the four last night, so I, I think that's why he was there. Um, yeah, I don't. I guess I'm not really against it. I guess the only thing I would say is it doesn't really surprise me that he got awestruck a little bit. You could definitely tell that that happened, and he got mm-hmm. beat a couple times. Um, I mean, you saw them put Sohan and, and Keldon on him later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I'm just, because of where we're at right now, I'm just not like really that upset at at stuff like that. Like I can kind of see how people like would, I can kind of see what you're hinting at when you're asking the question, but I'm just not, like it doesn't surprise me he got beat. And when you put him in that scenario, he's going to get beat. But it's just like I, I want him to go through those moments this season. I agree with your statement there, and I wasn't. I, I was actually asking because our avid listener and one of my friends, Tanner Robertson, Ooh, okay, he thinks he should get more opportunities to defend Kevin Durant. Um, he just like to see see that matchup. He thinks it's an advantageous matchup for us more so than it is for them in some situations because KD can so easily rise up and shoot over yeah. Keldon Johnson and even Jeremy, where Wemby. Not so much. Maybe he gets past him, gets to the rim for a contested layup, but he'd rather have that than wide open jumpers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see what he's saying right there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I guess what I would say is he did still get him a couple times last night. Um, yeah, now, he did. Obviously, I think. Shot, though. I don't know. Very. And, and, and granted, I say that like he's not one of the best scorers ever. And yeah. those were insane moves beating out a dude with an eight foot wingspan. Like yeah. those are like legendary step backs. Like, let me give him a little bit of respect. Um, yeah. Like that contest on the one he made over Wemby, like that contest. I don't know if you saw the picture. You can see yeah. like, his whole body. Like, that's just that's just crazy. Um, I, I totally get what he's saying there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to he will get beat against him. But yeah, I, I'm not mad at that. But I'm not really super mad at 
Jeremy or, or Keldon guarding him either, mm-hmm. especially how we kind of talked about earlier. Like we saw yeah. some good things from from them on him too. But I also, I mean, when you're just talking about length and the way that KD really does get most of his buckets shooting over people, um, I completely see Tanner's point. Probably the reason he didn't do it as much was because he, you know, I think some of that just works out with the rotations, like when Wembenyama sat and when KD was on the floor. Mm. Um, but also, I think they probably were trying to protect him a little bit from from getting schooled a little bit by his favorite player. Or one of his favorite players. Everybody was yeah. saying that, but it's like it's really him and Giannis, Giannis is, is yeah. that comment. It's also probably fair to say they're still a little nervous about his foul trouble tendencies. And if you're guarding Kevin Durant, foul trouble is probably going to go up. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I know we already predicted, like we already said, we probably think the Spurs are going to lose tomorrow. But what are some keys to the game? Maybe not keys to victory, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we just said, but some keys to the game. Um I guess really, to be honest with you, it probably starts with who's going to be guarding Devin, guarding Devin Booker, excuse me. Um, and he's been playing the point guard for them uh, since we haven't seen Bradley Beal yet. So it seems like that would be Sohan um, mm. if everything stays lineup wise, which I think it is. I, that's another thing I want to talk to you about after this conversation. But first, let, let, we can talk about that with Devin Booker and how we defend him tomorrow if we do it all. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, do we know who's starting next to Devin? Will it be Grayson Allen or Eric Gordon? We do not know yet. Because personally, I love the Devin on Devin matchup. I think that might be our best chance at defending Devin Booker because Devin can match up with him athletically and, and quickness-wise. And it's basically the same size. Like, um, Yeah, yeah. And then we can utilize Jeremy as him and Keldon to kind of go at Kevin Durant since they don't have Bradley Beal. I like that. Um, that would be my preference. I understand if they want Jeremy to guard Devin Booker, but I'm just, I, it honestly scares me a little bit. I agree. Uh, I think despite Jeremy's physical advantages, he's at a complete disadvantage um, skill and quickness wise. That I'm, I'm glad you mentioned quickness because as much as we lauded Jeremy as a defender last season, the one thing I have seen this year, and it's because he's guarding point guards now and not fours. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have seen him, especially with the quick guys, get get beat off the dribble a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean he can't recover. And he's still not, you know, like we we mentioned, there were times in the you know in the post up where he was able to make KD pass out or make him miss a shot. But that's different than guarding Devin Booker off the dribble. So I, I completely agree with you there, but I do think just because of the fact that D-Book is kind of there, um, what am I? I'm looking for an adjective here, Ethan. They're fake, fake point guard. That's what I'm going to oh. say. I say Ooh. fake point guard because, I, I mean, they're pseudo point guard, kind of like Jeremy. Like, it's not traditional responsibilities, but because Brad Beal's out, mm-hmm. there, he was kind of, he had a lot of, early in the season, um, I saw a lot of, passing highlights and i believe that he had some pretty good assist games uh as well to start the year um but he was definitely bringing the ball up the floor that leads me to believe that jeremy's probably going to be guarding him which i totally get your your fears there um but we'll have to see we'll have to see maybe maybe it will be Devin. i think they'll definitely switch too like i think i think at least we're going to see even if jeremy is guarding him the majority of the time we're going to see some possessions where where Devin's on him a lot and, and probably Kelton too. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I think probably just because that's going to be the biggest difference in the game, that's probably what I'll be paying attention to the most. There will probably be some tough stuff that we see, but 
um, hopefully we can see some positives tomorrow night. Yeah, the biggest problem is going to be now they have an additional shooter on the court. And we saw what they did when they spaced out. like They had four out and their pitch down low. And it was literally impossible for us to defend it because we're just not quick enough to rotate. And nobody really is because they're so great at spacing. Laser Grayson Allen, man. I was like, what is five, happening? Dude, when he three. pulled up from like Steph Rage, I oh. know it was wide open. And like, he is a capable shooter. He's a good shooter. That's his role. But I was just like, man, yeah. that was the po- point of the game where it was like, you know, that's why this win was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, because you had moments where Grayson Allen was lasering you and you just felt like we're going to be 22 and 60 again. <laughs> i know it's super early but that was the, yeah. the vibe i'm sure of so many people watching that game i don't think they'll do this because they would leave a significant scoring load scoring void off the bench but they could also put devin in for a kogi yeah. and they literally have four snipers and nurkic <laughs> yeah who was sniping at the end of the game yeah two for five yeah oh my gosh well hey what we were talking about earlier though that i'm sure is all over the this is what all of the controversial people want to hear i'm not even trying to make it controversial but this is a another this is a big topic of conversation in spurs land and of course that's the rotations Mm -hmm. um and as we mentioned last episode pop has declared this is the experiment for 2023-24 so i don't think i'm not anticipating any lineup changes in the starters but what we have seen over the past couple games is is how we end the games we Mm -hmm. talked about it a little bit earlier but man, I feel like we saw almost like the longest stretch of time that Trey was out there on the floor. And let's see, how many minutes did he have? 24. 24 was that fourth quarter. Like, I feel like he was out there for like a nine, 10 minute stretch. Um, I think we subbed him out maybe for two seconds. And then we put right after we subbed Zach back out. Um, and I, he may have not even came off the floor. I can't remember exactly how that worked. Um, but I know we did sub Jeremy in at one point. So I think he might have been out for like maybe like a possession or two. But for the most part, he was out there a lot. Um, and even like Jeremy was still out there. Like we mentioned, we saw we mentioned the lineup that they finished with. Um, do you think that that will be a trend moving forward that he is going to be despite him not being a starter? he is going to be out there in the crucial moments. Yes, I do. I think he's the closing point guard. Maybe not closing, closing, because I think Jeremy came in with like three, two minutes left or something like that to kind of finish off the run. Yes. Um, But Trey Jones, he only had three assists, but his ability to understand where guys are, who's hot, who needs the rock, and push the pace in transition um, is just better than Jeremy at this point. So he will he because he's he's played point guard his entire life like you said <laughs> right. he's, he played at Duke like Duke point guards are notoriously Coach field K. generals like and he's six foot one his brother's an NBA point guard like it's just gonna naturally be that case and I think of one play one instance of this past game specifically he's running in transition pushing the pace he has basically four options because uh-huh. we're all running he has Wemby running down the lane Keldon to his right. And I didn't even see him, but he had a trailing Devin on his far left, and Devin had just hit that step back three. Uh So what did Trey Jones do? He lobbed it to that exact spot, knowing that Devin was running, and he caught the lob. And he could have pulled up. He didn't because he got contested. 
But it was that moment. I was like, okay, he understands. Devin hit a shot from there. He's the hot hand. I'm giving it to the hot hand in his comfort zone. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Jeremy makes that play at that moment. Um, probably not. And that's no fault of his own. He's still learning. He's still figuring that out. He probably either posts somebody up or he tries to give it to Wemby running the lane. Yeah. Neither bad decisions, but that one, the, the Devin one, is the correct point Even guard better. Decision. Yeah, yeah he, he just makes the, the correct play. So I think definitely he's the guy, um, especially when our offense is struggling, that we're going to bring in to kind of get some momentum and kind of close things out. And I think that just ties into all the outrage, man. Like, <laughs> he's effectively a starter, and I think that's mm-hmm. going to prove itself. Like, he's basically playing the Manu role right now. Like, yeah, not I, I say that, I don't mean as in play style. I just mean as in... He's the sixth man. He doesn't start, but at the end of the game, he's in there. Yeah. And, and I really, like I said, I, I liked how obviously, you know, it, it's, this is one game with that final lineup in and we got, a, we happened to get a win in one that the Suns kind of really gave away. So I'm not trying to sit here and be like, this is the final reason this is for the rest of the season. We're going to be good now with these guys in at the end of the game. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but what I am saying is it seems like it's a trend and it seems like it's a positive trend. Um, and when you talk about experience and setting everybody up, um, he can do that the best. And and the other thing about that too, is you mentioned kind of when, when we took Wemby out and we had last year's starters in. Jeremy is more used to playing off of Trey as well because mm-hmm. he did it all last season. And kind of as I alluded to um, earlier when I was talking about that lineup in the first place, like they can kind of pl- they in that lineup they are playmaking mm-hmm. for Jeremy Keldon and and Wembenyama, which have been your top three scores so far to start this season and in the preseason. Um, and and you love to see that for sure. Obviously, there's other things that Jeremy can do on offense, like set screens and and cut and stuff like that as well. Um, but I I really like. I like how he played off of Trey in mm-hmm. that lineup to finish as well. He seemed like he knew where to go and what to do more because he has more experience with it. Most definitely. And did you see what he tweeted? I think you sent it to me. Oh, He's yeah, taking did. notes right now because of all the people that are hating on him probably. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll see a turnaround. Maybe that's something Pop's going to go with more often because I don't think he did that in the first two games. Is no, he did Last year's lineup. Um, to kind of finish off games. So that would be interesting if he continued that route. But this game was a weird one because Malachi only played nine minutes because yeah. he shot so poorly and Champetti came in for three. <laughs> so like right. he, he was searching out there. Poor Pop. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, there was one assist that Jeremy didn't get that I wanted to shout out. Um, it was just late in the game, that corner pass to Shetty that unfortunately mm. he missed. Um, but that was just such a great read. Yes. And and that was really an example of the growth. And the other thing I liked when you mentioned the two turnovers, obviously, you know, he needs we didn't even really get to dive into this too much. We I don't know how it's gonna happen. Uh, and it's probably just gonna take time, but Jeremy has offensive skill that is not being utilized at the moment. Um, and I'm sure that's because he's focusing on mainly being a point guard. Um but at the same time, those zero turnovers and the fact that he was able to make good decisions throughout the game um, was huge. For sure. Something to grow on. Yes, yes. But when we you talk about his offensive game, when we do picture him 
comfortable offensively, getting to the right spots, taking the right shots um, in the flow of this offense with these starters to start the game. Because as of right now, we just <laughs> we just haven't seen it. As I mentioned in the last SSPN recaps, I wouldn't watched every shot from this season. And it's like he's had a couple wide open threes he's made. Every time it's a moving jumper, it really doesn't look good, whether that's in the mid-range or the three, um, I, other than other than a post fadeaway. But that's different than just like a, you know, a, a moving jumper off the dribble. Um, mm-hmm. What do you feel like he, what does an effective Jeremy Sohan look like offensively in this lineup? Like, where is he finding his shots? Right now, his shots have to come off of other guys, like as a cutter, um, off a dribble handoff where he has full steam ahead to crash the rim, um, and then spacing the floor, just spot up, no movement threes. Yeah. Right now, that's really all he can do um, because he doesn't have the best handle in the world, like we've continued to say all, all offseason. He's not taking anybody off the dribble right now, Jude, and he doesn't have a pull-up game. So Yeah, he just runs into a post-up when he tries to take people off the dribble. Exactly, and that's just not going to work. His fadeaway and his hook shots aren't consistent enough off yeah. the dribble for that to be super effective. Um, he's a great passer when he gets into the post, but I think he's a better passer when he gets fed in the post, not yeah. when he dribbles into a post up. If that makes sense, it completely makes sense. And you know, when you're saying this, Ethan, all I'm hearing is just don't force it. No, don't force that's, it. That's that's literally all I'm hearing, and and that's. That ties into another thing that we talked about last episode with the guys having to deprogram themselves. Because last year, a lot of times, especially on last year's team with him being the highest first round pick on the team, I mean, <laughs> there were times last season where we were like, maybe this guy has the highest potential on the team. Yeah. Um, and regardless of that, the point is he's last year he was told to force it at times. And now it's just a completely different situation on top of the point guard duties he's getting. So it's going to be a slow process. I'm glad we saw some step forward with the turnovers and the playmaking that we did last night. Still not perfect, but taking steps in the right direction. Um, And then when it comes to his scoring, like you said, he's just going to have to play off of everybody. And that's just a completely different role that we'll take some time to adjust to. Agreed. But don't worry, people. Because in the fourth quarter, we have a different lineup. <laughs> and Trey and Wemby. We have multiple different lineups that a lot of them include Trey. Trey and Wemby. Well, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Who do they become in the fourth quarter? They can be. They become like if Isaiah Thomas was teammates with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Literally, I think it's. Um... It's Stockton, but it's not Malone. It's Dirk Stock- Nowitzki. <laughs> it's Stockton and Dirk, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh my gosh. Any any final thoughts on these, you know, the Suns game last night, the Suns game tomorrow, our little trip here in Phoenix this week, Ethan, before we end this episode? Like I drew you bangs. I miss you. <laughs> Yo. My dude, two blocks. Nine why, blocks. My boy Wemby, why do you have to do him like that, Ethan? Hey, he got his. Drew Eubanks got his. I'm not did he get his when when Charles stuffed him? He stuffed. Who did he stuff? Drew stuffed. He, he stuffed. Bad. He stuffed. He's. It, I think they actually traded. I think he got Charles too. I think he got him back. Dude, Drew's a dog. Plus thirteen off the bench. Their best, by far, their best role player. Dude, when he was at the line, 
by far. I love it. Completely agree. Um, when he was at the line, I was like, I was literally talking to the TV. I was like, Eubanks, you got to be you bricks right now because you know who made you. And he missed the first one. And I was like, but then he made the second. And I think that's why the Wimby dunk happened. My only, the only way I can kind of convey my emotional state when I'm watching Drew Eubanks play for another team is the scene from the movie Sing when the dad ape is in prison and he hears his son on the TV behind him auditioning <laughs> and he turns around and he's like, that's my son. And he's just freaking out. And he breaks out of the jail. That's me. I haven't seen that movie, but that sounds, that sounds really accurate. He's, he like looks up. He's like, Johnny. And then his like son's singing and he's like, Johnny, that's my son. Just like that. All right. Here's my final take on tomorrow's game. Ethan. If we get blown out because he didn't go to G League training camp, he's still on the team. We better get some Barlow versus Eubanks minutes late. <laughs> Only if you want your boy to get embarrassed. I think this is just our war. This is this is this I is need, us finally. <laughs> we need to prove it. Who is the best SSPN? Um, I don't I don't know how to describe it. SSPN Spurs role player. Spurs like developed undrafted big. There we go. Cause the, we the, go. that's true for both of them. Is it Troutdale or is it, or is it Dumont East coast versus West coast? I got my beaver, man. I think there was somebody, I think Rob Perez, it might've been him. If it wasn't him, it was some other big NBA Twitter account that I saw last night. It was when he got a block, I think. Cause he did get his stuff. I've re- oh, I think it was on, Malachi? Yes, yes, Malachi. That's who I was. I couldn't remember, but I I just know it was like an up and under, and he went up with it, and, and Drew okay. swatted it. Somebody, I think it was Brett Usher, actually, and he mm. follows me, so shout out to him. I think he follows SSPN, too. Shout out. Um, he... It was it, he said like the king of Troutdale or like the prince of Troutdale, and it was just the Drew Eubanks highlight. And I was like, this dude isn't even a Spurs fan. And I was like, what a goat. <laughs> I love Drew Eubanks. I would die for him. If he gets a ring this season, I might cry. Well, uh, I guess we know Ethan's second favorite team in the West. No, it's not the Suns. I just love Drew Eubanks. Okay. I would die for Drew Eubanks. Oh, you already told me this. It's the Mavs. I should have known this. Mavs are my second team. Yeah. So would they be third just because of Drew? Or is it just, yeah, is it just sure. Drew? It's just Drew. Like okay. They could lose every game, but if Drew gets a double-double, I'm happy. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. It isn't his fault at that point, right? No, they, I, they need, I to, they need to work for him. They need to do better and play better for him. I'm right? just happy that he's finally getting the national media coverage he deserves. Yeah. Personally. You know, I think that KD getting stripped by Keldon ruined Drew Eubanks' magnificent performance last night that led the Suns to a victory. But, you know. <laughs> Had the highest plus minus on the team. So I'm going to you saw some moments out there with Drew, though. I love when Drew plays us. As much as he does some stuff that hurts us, I will say, I like when he goes at Zach, and I like when he goes at Trey. Like, there was one early in the game where Trey was like, he called everybody off because he had Eubanks on him on the perimeter, and he tried to pull up in his face, and he, he missed it. <laughs> but I was like, but, I, but you know, it's like you're not yeah. going to get those moments if we're not playing Eubanks. I love Drew. I love him. I still love him, too. I do. I do. We appreciate you guys. I hope I'm, I'm glad that we finally somehow got to incorporate a Drew Eubanks segment back Me into too. the show. It's been too long. Um, it has been. Shout out my boy Barlow, though. We'll, we'll see if we see you tomorrow night.
Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button below if you enjoyed the content. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. Oh, there we go. Follow us on Twitter at SSBNYT, at Jude McLaren, and at Ethan underscore Quintero. Tell us your thoughts on last night's game, the young Spurs, the season moving forward, and what you think is going to happen tomorrow night, your keys to victory, all that good stuff in the comments below. And we'll see you guys later. See y'all.